Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Bussin, the Greenville Transit podcast. I'm Erin Predmore, the Executive Director of Greenville Connects, and I'm really excited to welcome Benton Blunt, one of the candidates for District 19 Greenville County Council, to today's episode. Jackie Clark has also been interviewed, who's another candidate for District 19, and he's on a previous episode. Ivan Mathena and Willis Meadows have not been interviewed and have not at this time been scheduled. We hope to have them on in the future. So welcome, Benton, to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really do appreciate you spending some time with us. Um, we've been talking to all the candidates, and the opportunity here is just really to get to know you guys and and let you speak to some of the current issues that are going on in Greenville County. I'd like to start, though, just hearing from you. What is it that made you want to run for county council this time around? Oh, man. I was just talking about this, and I, I've tried to formulate exactly what caused me to run because it is not the typical political story. Uh, I've been a musician most of my life, like 15 years full-time, uh, toured the country most of the time playing 200 shows a year. And as I, as we have kids, once I, I met my wife, we had our first kid, I had went on a TV show called America's Got Talent, made it to the finals of this show, so touring it ramped up even more. It was pretty crazy, but I, I found out in that moment I could pull back a little bit, spend time with my wife and new son, take a little less shows. And every time I would play less shows and stay home more, I would notice stuff here that I never noticed before. Um, so whether it be at a show and somebody's talking to me about the crazy traffic because of all the new buildings that's coming in and it's taking them 30 minutes longer to get to work, uh, stuff that seems superficial on the top, but when you start to think about it, it's a pretty serious issue. And, uh, when the, the pandemic hit, obviously for anybody like myself who plays music or you travel, that grounded our business, period. So I, I got to experience the full force of what it was like to be home. And it literally drove me to the point of wanting to help make a difference. Uh, I'd found out that county council were having issues moving forward on things that they shouldn't be having issues moving forward on. And it was simply from people butting heads and doing the normal political thing. And I, I don't like the normal political thing because to me it's a disservice to the people. Uh, so I decided to run literally based on being a citizen politician, meaning it's my first time running. I've been in politics since I was a teenager. My grandpa talked to me about politics before I should ever even wanted to have anything to do with them. Uh, so I know about it. I just never served in the capacity of public servant and the, this opportunity is more of an opportunity for me to bring government back to what I feel like it should have been, where the people actually are making my decisions for me like they're supposed to. I'm the representative. So the plan was to do this campaign, hopefully win our seat, and then me consistently go out into the community and spend time with people. Same thing I do with my job. I play shows and I talk to people, tell stories, talk to people. So same kind of thing, uh, except I'm bringing all this back to a council meeting and saying this is what they want. I'm telling you as their, as their representative, I don't even know how to give it to you necessarily. This is what they want. So now how do we as a council give this to them? So it's, it takes a lot of the, the fanfare out of politics. I think that way, because it's not about my accreditation. It's not about what I've done in the past to say, look at me. It's about I'm a representative of the people and that's it. Okay. So in representing the people, you mentioned that part of your motivation for running was the growth and, the changes here in Greenville County um, over the last 15 years, which it is, it's incredible. Um, all the things that are happening, which are both really positive, um, but bring with them 
you know, it's kind of like medicine, right? It can be good medicine, but there's some side effects. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on some of the growth and change that we've been seeing here in Greenville County? What are, what are some of the good things that are, you know, the positive outcomes and what are the things that are, that you get you most worried about? Um, well, it's a double-edged sword. It, it's what brought me to Greenville originally. I'd moved to Nashville, Tennessee from North Carolina where I was born. And then from Nashville through Evan McCain uh, in his studio downtown, I came here to record. And I fell in love with the city because it was eclectic and it was eclectic because it was already starting to grow and it was diverse. And you could have, for me as a musician, you could listen to blues one night and you could listen to rock and roll the next night in the same venue. And that's what I liked about it. So I started playing here more and literally fell in love with the atmosphere and the growth and the fact that it felt new, it felt like something that was growing. And to the point where I literally went home and sold my house in Nashville and moved to Greenville and have been here ever since. And, uh, that part of it's great. But when I did move here, I lived on camper down and I was able to get around pretty easy. But once the infrastructure really started building up and all the buildings came in and the new home, the, the new homes, um, for me personally, it was too much. Like I like being able to get out of my house and go somewhere and not be stuck in traffic. So I moved, I moved out to where I'm at now, which is in district 19, closer to Furman university where we have more acreage. It doesn't take as long. I have more roads I can get to where I need to go. So it's one of those weird things where it, 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 it can be an opinion type thing. Some people don't mind living in the city and dealing with hustle and bustle. That's what they're used to. Uh, but a lot of people, especially in the upstate or in Greenville or the outside communities, they're used to having that space and having that quiet. So it's, it's a, it's a learning curve for everybody, even the developers coming in to figure out how they need to best build to suit the community so the community is not outraged and some of them are over the massive amount of building so it's just trying to find a balance to where we can grow and keep up with the rest of the cities but do it in a way that makes the people that live here feel comfortable Mm -hmm. so it so in that balance one of the things that um uh, we've been talking to a lot of the candidates about is about infrastructure and how whether it's roads or sewer water but all the things that have to go into that planning part so that growth is smart growth and not just willy nilly. And we're not getting a ton of people out on, you know, poor roads isolated where then they're driving around even more. And it's more, I mean, recognizing there's a lot that goes into all that. Um, What are some of, what is some of the infrastructure that you would look to, to, for the council to focus on in that smart growth as you're talking about, what are some of the things you worry that, that could be improved, I guess. Right. Well, well, in my district specifically, and it's different in every district because you have the district that contains most of downtown, and that's a whole different animal than where Joe Deal, per se, would be in his district above mine, close to the mountains. Um, but for us specifically in District 19, what I'm hearing from the community is that they don't mind necessarily the growth if the infrastructure, meaning the roads and the water lines and the electrical are being built along with it and with that, those things in mind. And that hasn't been happening. So what, what happens is they're letting these contractors that are come in from out of state usually, or at least out of the County and they'll throw up 400 apartments, but they won't think about the roads surrounding it. They won't think about the exits. They won't think about the emergency accesses, all that stuff. And then it just clogs up the whole community sometimes because of where they're placing it. Uh, for example, in our district, they were trying to, I went to the, the zoning hearing. They were trying to put 200 some houses on less than a hundred acres of land. And it was going to be almost four houses per acre. And if you just think about that and look where it was sitting in between two residential areas close down to the Saluda River with 
a two lane road that you can barely drive on without riding on the line as it is, it is almost impossible, but they don't think about that because they're thinking about we need the month, the money's coming in. It's on the table. We can take it and have it now, but they're not thinking long term. Well, what about the people who've been there their whole lives or the people that you're getting ready to eat up 750 feet of their yard because you're going to have to use it to build this new development that you want to build. And, uh, it just doesn't feel like they're taking the average everyday citizens concerns to heart more than they are. What they see would be good for them in the future. Almost like they're saying, well, we know that you don't like this, but once it's up and you see all the pretty lights and flashing lights, you know, to draw your attention, then you'll be okay. And I I just don't feel like that's the way to govern. So it's more of, we need to figure out how to come in together. If we're going to build this new huge section of apartments or housing or whatever it is, the the roadways and the water lines and the electrical needs to be figured out in conjunction with it rather than wait till it's all up and then have a cluster for six months while they're trying to figure out what to do, which will take years. Mm-hmm. Well, along those lines, the county council right now was about to be um, considering the unified development ordinance. So the first modules are out and the well, first the first one's out and the second and third one are coming in the next month or so. Um, I don't know. Have you had an opportunity to read through that first module as it's been been released by the county? I have not. Okay. So some of the stuff that's in that is around development, right? So it's around um, the densities, around you know what areas should be dense and where how they should be zoned. Um, and depending on all that, then it's kind of like a choose your own adventure, right? So it's, I want to build here. Well, then this is here and this is here. And then this, if you want to build here, you have to do it this way. Right. You have to put up this type of house or... Um, or these are your four options and they could all be there. Um, is that the type of, you know, kind of planning that you have in mind is, is using those ordinances and the planning department to kind of set up the expectations, both for developers and the community as a whole. Is that, is that what you're specifically talking about? Yeah. I mean, it, it could be part of it, but one of the main issues that I know in our district specifically it, are the homes with or like an, like apartment complexes or condos where you're having, triple if not quadruple the number of people per square inch of house so you got the, right so that increased density the yeah so right. those multiplexes is yeah. what you call those yep. yeah and that's what people almost want to halt on it's not that they want to halt on it but they want if they're going to be doing those things with so much traffic as a result of it they want to have a sense that the county and the state's doing everything they can to make sure it's not going to mess up stuff for everybody else because it's already there yeah it's great to have people you want people to come to wherever you live that means that people want to be there but if you don't do it in the right way before you know it you'll have a ghost town because everybody's going to leave because they're tired of the mess Mm -hmm. um and and the other thing kind of tied into that is an outcry for business and they're saying that in our district because of zoning there's a lot of places that they can't bring in retail and some of the other even even just business to give jobs because of the way it's zoned and my question was well why don't we look at the rezoning of that so we can give something to district 19 to where they don't have to drive to another district to purchase something and they're like it's just real hard i'm like is it impossible and they're like well no i said well does nobody worked on it it's like if you're working for the people and you know that's what they want at least fight for it might not happen but at the end of the day they're not going to be able to say you didn't try to do what you said you would do yeah, well, and I think you'll be interested to see the UDO um, and look through that first module. The second one's the land development ordinance, and it'll talk a lot about the that infrastructure part too, like things like sidewalks and walkability, right? Mm-hmm. And here's some intense nodes with lots of density, you know, that have been laid out in the first module. And then here's how we're going to make sure as a developer, if you're putting up a multiplex, these are the other things you have to do right. around that so that so 
it sounds like that may be a really good outlet for some of your concerns, a, a place for you to engage and, and really evaluate whether or not that's lining up with what you think is needed in District 19 and countywide. Sure. And it's actually, I mean, the, the fact that that potentially is in place or is going to be in place is another testament to the other thing that I'm wanting to bring to it is, which is over transparency. So I, I noticed that with a lot of council meetings, they'll either come in with something on a Friday and say they want to pass it. They'll vote on a Tuesday and all weekend long families are out doing their normal thing. They're not home reading the news and trying to keep up with stuff, especially local. And I feel like sometimes it's a disservice to citizens because they're doing it to kind of eliminate the chance for public lashback. And if the public's upset, they should be, be lashing back. So I, I would want to inform them as fast as possible about like that per se. So it would be uh, like I do a podcast myself that I talk about everything from politics to whatever they want to talk about. But in the event that I win the council seat, that page is going to be re renamed to District 19. So when I do a podcast, it's strictly going to be about what I've learned we're working on because a lot of citizens don't know what's coming. And if they know that there's a thing in place that will make it easier for them to navigate around the district with these apartments and uh, different kind of homes, then they will be more acceptable to it. It might change the whole narrative or it might push the state to fix the roads the correct way. I mean, it could be information is power. I've always seen it that way. And if you inform the community, you don't have to have somebody with seven degrees making the decisions. They can do it themselves. They, they, they live there. They know what they need. Yeah. I think that the, it's interesting with the UDO process as it's gone through, it's required by state law every 10 years. Um, and they just did the comprehensive plan and that feeds in the, anyway, so it's a whole, this whole process, right? But, but it does feel sometimes just in civic engagement overall. And I felt that way and I'm, I'm, a, I am engaged and I watch it and stuff like that, but there are things that you go, Oh wait, is that happening now? Like it's, yeah. it can, it's, it, things always could be more transparent. I agree with that. That certainly could be um, helpful just to have more people engaged and part of it to evaluate and give feedback. Um, so they can shape it the way, like you said, that, that p people feel good about. Right. And I think that as council, you have to be like, I know any choices I make, I'm being held accountable to everybody that not just voted for me, but that live in the district that are under the decision that I, that I'm ultimately making is that with that vote. So they, they should know about it ahead of time. So they can talk to me before I would be, a, have a chance to vote on it. That, those things are important. And I think the simple things of government that we've made so complicated, I'm wanting to try to turn that back a little bit, make it a little easier to understand. Okay. Just for me, because I can't really explain it any more intricate than that anyway. <laughs> I think that's fair. That's fair. Well, one of the things, we're here at the Green GreenLink Transit Center, mm -hmm. um, and with the buses just all went out and they're about to come back. Um, have you had much experience with the bus or the transit system here in Greenville? I have not had experience with the, uh, the GreenLink or the transit system here just because when I first moved here, I was fortunate enough to live downtown. So I pretty much walked anywhere I needed to go mm -hmm. and I didn't want to have an excuse not to exercise. So I, I haven't personally used it, but I know it provides a huge service to the community. Yeah. Well, it's got a, it's, it's got a, they have a transit development plan, uh, which is going to be, kind of working on the next 18 months, three years, five years, you know, that sort of stuff, looking mm -hmm. what's down the, down the line. And um, part of that is in response to all this growth that we've seen. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about the way transit fits in as either some people consider it part of infrastructure, public infrastructure, and is part of that planning as you're kind of referring to, not just roads, but we need, you know, buses and the, the larger system to get people around. Um, or is it more of an issue of economic development or is it more of a social service? What, how do you put transit um, in your head? 
can it can it be all of the above? Is that possible? I think it, I think it could. And as yeah. you, as you were as you were saying, I think that it fits in all of those categories. I mean, you're providing a service to people that either if they don't have a vehicle or if they don't have the money to put gas in a vehicle, especially right now, then it's providing a duty to I and mean, it's providing a service to people that is is very necessary, especially if they're trying to get to a job. But I think in general, too, when you have growth like Greenville's had, so Greenville basically is following in the footsteps, hopefully not completely, like Charlotte. Like Greenville's starting to feel like Charlotte. I grew up in Valdez, North Carolina, so I spent a lot of time going to Charlotte to concerts and to shop and stuff like that. And it has that feeling, like you can you can feel it in the air. And with that comes the things that have to come along with it with growth, like like the transit system and stuff, where you if you're going to have so many people you're inviting into the city to come and live – and knowing that the certain dem- demographics have different, there's poverty levels at different levels and the things that they can't, they can't help. You have to provide that service. You're, you're inviting those people in. So you kind of have to make accommodation for it. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, I think it's interesting that you're like, it is all about all the different levels of people in the community, whether they want to drive, you know, or not. Right. Mm-hmm. And they just being able to be there as a real consistent basis so people can get everywhere around. That's certainly the position of Greenville Connects. We're trying to get more buses going more places more often so that everybody just goes, oh, I could take a bus if they want. It doesn't mean that people have to give their cars up, but we've got to strengthen that so that it even is an option. Well, especially with the, the roads and things right now, it would be much easier to have it compacted down to people making smart choices with their transit and not having to figure out a place to park every day too. So Man, I, I know how long did it take you to find a place to park before our interview? Um, luckily this is the first, I, I literally went to the second floor across the street. So I, as soon as I got go. up there, I went in, but there was no more. Anywhere. I pulled up and there was an opening in the two hour free parking right <laughs> on the side. And that never happens to me downtown. I was so excited. And, uh, yeah, sometimes it's about going around the block and figuring out your best place. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big, I, I lived downtown and for people that have lived here the whole life now having to deal with that, people don't realize how big of a life change that is for some of these <laughs> you people. You gotta add another 15 minutes to your trip. Yeah. It's very true. Well, one of the things that, um, been in the, in the recent history for Greenlink is in 2018, county council voted to increase their, um, annual, their allocation for local funding for Greenlink. So previous to that, um, Greenlink was getting about $3.78 per capita per user for services. And we did a comparison around the region and we were the lowest of investment levels of all the, all the cities. We like, we looked at Columbia and Charleston and I think Nashville was on there and Chattanooga and things like that. Just kind of comparing, okay, who's investing and and what are their systems like and and all that. So we were the very lowest, Um, but County council voted to increase allocation. And so now they cover about 60% of that local funding comes from County. And then the 40 comes from the city. Um, And I want to say they're up to about $8. Per capita, so it was a significant. There, that investment allowed the um, transit system to go until eleven o'clock, which is great. So right. that allowed people to go to work and back to work, and if you worked a late shift, you could still get back and all that stuff. So it really increased um, the usability of the system. So it's a great investment. Part of the issue, though, is at that eight dollars, we're still the lowest, and that's based on I want to say the twenty. 2017 numbers, like it was a year, it's a delay. Yeah. So even then they were at 20, 30, $40 per person. So right. I give you all that history and just kind of evaluate that for me. So what does that mean? If you were to be elected on county council, 
how do we as a community figure out that investment quandary, right? How do we get to have that transit system that we need that you've been talking about? Like, you know, we're just kind of overwhelmed with people. We want to build good infrastructure. What kind of ideas might you have about that? Well, just an idea off the top of my head, not knowing fully what I would be able to do and not to do because I don't don't know all the rules. Yeah, we're just brainstorming. Let's say hypothetically, I could just do whatever I wanted to that would make sense. I I give you a magic wand. Yes, I'm going to need that, I think, a lot. Um, Really, it would be more to start out. It would be coming to the table with exactly what you had. Like you you named the, the places, Nashville, Charlotte, probably Chicago. I mean, the different places where the amount of travel that is provided by train or bus is is very high and find those places that are similar to Greenville Mm -hmm. and put those together. But what it would be more like is me finding out about it and saying, well, let's put a committee together. And then whoever, whether it was you or somebody else who would be willing to be a part of that committee with information, come to the meetings and present the information and say, look, we're growth wise, we're matched up with these cities. But as far as providing the transit part of that, we're way down at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And so what do we need to do realistically to get a, to get that funding back up so that we can compete? Because we're seeing that these this city is doing well, this city is doing well, but it's because they have this amount of funding and we're not there. So maybe that's why we have some of the little issues that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that information and the data right. that's available, I agree with you that that um, I was pretty surprised when I saw that comparison with the peer cities because I don't Greenlink has had, I mean, historically has, it used to be amazing. Everybody used to ride Greenlink in Greenville and then it dropped off and it got to not be very consistent. And people, there was some people were not using it as much and it wasn't as reliable, Right. but in the last say five to 10 years, it's been a huge improvement on all of that. They've done a lot of efficiencies. They've expanded, they've worked on their routes and all that stuff. And so now it's really a good, good thing. And, and some of the stuff, just for you to know as well um, that I'm excited about. They're building a, a new maintenance facility. And in doing that, the county gave some land for that. So that nice. was good. Um, and in doing that, they're going to be able to double their fleet, which means they'll be able to go to every 30 minutes. Oh, wow. And then the next step is to add more routes, right? So just they've got some, the dominoes are all lined up for things to really go really well. Well, just off the top of my head, cutting cutting the time down to the 30 minutes oh. is going to make more people want the, exactly. more accessibility to it. That's that's when, I, when I'm out of town on the road and we have to take those kind of things, It's that's the hardest part is navigating what time to actually be there to get on the bus or to leave, right. that kind of thing. Yeah, and if it's if you just missed it, at least you only have to wait 30 minutes right? Right, exactly. instead of an hour yeah. <laughs> instead of taking up part of your day like that. So I do think there's some good things on the on the horizon for for GreenLink and it's and for the community overall. I mean that's the thing too is if we can get it to to that level as we expand, it's going to be a real um, benefit for everybody in the community. Well, especially now in, in District 19, we have uh, there's there's not that many places where people are just getting up from their house and going to work. They're leaving the district, mm-hmm. and the more gas prices go up, and the harder the pinch on from food supply shortages and everything else that the people are going to need that kind of service. So it might be perfect timing. Yeah, it. it might be a good thing. Well, we rode out the other day um, on one of our interviews and did a, did the loop and it goes out to the gates at Furman and comes back mm. down the one through your district. Yeah. Um, but I got to say, I don't think anybody got on. There was not a lot of bus drivers out there in that final part of that <laughs> loop as it came back in. And I do think it's about what's easy, right. And what's simple and, and the, well, it's, I don't want to wait. I'm going to just go hop in my car or the timing doesn't work for me or, or whatever. Yeah, it, it's that. And I think just, and this is something people find out about me. I, I am just honest. And when I 
think something I usually say it, which could be good or bad, but I think some people that live outside of the city um, have a stereotype about the bus as far as they're worried about there being crime or something because they're connecting it with downtown or what they saw on TV rather than experiencing it for themselves. And uh, I think that that, again, information, it, it makes a big difference. So it could be a marketing campaign that needs to go out to the communities outside of downtown that just explains or it just shows the buses riding around so they see it's not like it's not like new york city and they think it's going to be you know scary yeah um, well, just, buses are great and i i was just on it um i'll tell you a quick story I was on yeah. there the other day and there was a the buses can kneel they're kneeling buses so if somebody's in a wheelchair they're the, still accessible so the bus actually lowers at the front and there's a ramp that pops out and um so the bus kneeled for a gentleman and his wife to get on and uh, he was in a wheelchair and he had his Vietnam vet hat on mm-hmm. and uh, he, so he'd been injured. And anyway, it was just a fascinating, they were on their way downtown to go out to dinner. And this was the way that he could take her was he was riding the bus so that he could take her to dinner. And uh, it was just great. They were sitting there talking and laughing and talking with the driver. And you know, it was just a, it was a very um, nice moment in their life together that I'm sure was an everyday moment for them. But as somebody who was just quietly witnessing from the back, it was just really sweet. Right. Um, and I was excited for them. They were, I can't remember where they were going downtown, but they were pretty excited about it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, I mean, and that's something that people don't think about as far as uh, the the part of people having disabilities or things that that service can provide. My mother's disabled and she's in one of the hover around chairs. So anywhere she, anytime she goes somewhere, she lives in North Carolina, but they have to come get her and she ride, but it's a vehicle where she can ride it right up into it and it takes them where she needs to go. Yeah, it's great. It's good to have everybody be included in all the good stuff going yeah. on here in Greenville. I agree. Absolutely. Yep. Well, Benton, I really do appreciate your time today. This has been a great conversation and uh, I appreciate your, your candor and your openness to all this and, and to really talk it out with me. Thank for you. Sure. Thanks for having me. Bussin, the Greenville Transit Podcast, has been brought to you by Greenville Connects and is produced by the Greenville Podcast Company. Please make sure to check us out and give us five stars so everybody can find us. Thanks, guys.